I'm Evelyn and I'm a geoholic. I wanna be normal, I wanna be sane. I wanna look at you and feel something other than pain. I need shelter, safe haven. I want a quiet place to go and wait out the rain. I want a woman, I want a job. I got an itch coming on again, trouble again. I wanna wake up and feel mm -hmm. Hey, welcome back, Geoholics, episode 177, if you can believe that, 177, as producer Sean would say right about now. Yeah, that's incredible. Speaking of producer Sean, he is not with us this evening. Nope. In his stead, we have the one and only Mark Taylor, otherwise known as Chief Geek. Chief Geek, that's right. How are you, my friend? I'm awesome, mate. You? Thank you for being here. Oh, really pleasure. appreciate it. We got a great show lined up tonight. We do. We have an incredible guest. And uh, it is Men's Health Month, but this is Men's Health Week, is my understanding. Mm. And our topics are going to focus on that, of course, because um, that's what we do here at the Geoholics. Awesome. We, right? Yeah. We want to uh, better our male and female compatriots. Add value and make friends. friends. Right? You that's what we it. do. That's exactly. what we do. Um, so anyways, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Anything yeah. new with you? Oh, I just got better looking this morning. How did you do that? Just, just waking up? Just waking up. You know? <sighs> it's amazing. It, it's something I put out for a daily intention. <laughs> so Plus, I have a great <laughs> skin regime. Yeah. Thanks to my You're wife. You have to tell me about that. Mm -hmm. uh, so you manifested uh, being more beautiful, is what, what you're telling me. I, I did. My wife doesn't agree, so I give her a thousand uh, milligrams of lithium every morning, mm. and that makes her think I'm Brad Pitt. There you go. So I have it on both ends. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no comment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no comment. All right, man. Uh, we got a lot to get to. So yes. tell us about that opening number. So that opening number was from a group called The Glorious Sons. The title of it was Panic Attack. I don't know if you know this, but they're a Canadian rock band hailing from Kingston, Ontario. I have lots of stories about Kingston, England, Do you know? by the way. Yes, I used to mm. live there. They were formed in 2011. They have the members Brett Emmons, who's on vocals, Jay Emmons on the guitar, Chris Costa on guitar, and Adam Paquette drums, and Chris Hoyt is on bass. They're really well known for their energetic performances and raw, heartfelt rock sound. The Glorious Sons have gained an incredible following and critical acclaim over the years because their songs feature catchy melodies, good guitar riffs, and introspective lyrics that explore themes of personal struggles, relationships, and societal issues. And I thought it was a perfect selection for this evening's show. I would agree. But I'm laughing at it now because last week, if you remember, the song, song we picked, the title of it was Cardiac Arrest. <laughs> So That's last right. week's song was Cardiac Arrest. Mm -hmm. This week's song is Panic Attack. What is going on? I think we're manifesting exactly. Coincidence? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think it is. Yeah. Oh, man. But I have seen the Glorious Sons uh, live before, oh. actually. Yep. And I can tell you that they are one of the best live shows I've seen in a long time. Really? Really good. It was right before COVID. It was like the last show I saw before COVID. Was it because of the music and the stage presence, or was it because of the theatrics, like when you go no, to a not, not, not a whole lot of theatrics. It was a really small venue. Oh. For them to play, it was a really small venue. It was a Crescent Ballroom downtown. You know, oh, it was okay. like 300 yeah. people, whatever, but just an amazing, amazing show. So highly recommend uh, checking out the Glorious Sons, for sure. We are, of course, in the Diamondback Land Surveying Studio this week. Um, kudos to Trent Keenan. As mm -hmm. always. Uh, and he is on cloud nine right now because his Las Vegas Knights 
are, of course, the Stanley Cup champions. Oh, my God. That's right. Yep. Yep. Trent's a season ticket holder. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, you know, posting pictures from the game when they won the uh, won the cup and everything. I'm like, dude, you could have left, like, in the second period. It was, like, 8-1 <laughs> to one at that point in time. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Good for, good for, uh, good for Las w- Vegas. Don't you wish you had those numbers when you curl? Which one? Which numbers? 8-1. to one. No, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it happens once in a while. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's... It's luck, luck, especially it's, at the it, level that we're at. It's curling. It's curling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to get our guests this evening to try curling for sure. I guarantee it. I guarantee she's going to love it. No, no doubt. Um, next up, the Airworks random trivia. Do you have something, Chief Geek? Oh, I have something amazing. Uh-oh. Where did surveying start? In the Bible. That's not a place or destination. Let's geographically uh, narrow it down. Egypt. Actually, you're correct. But what's fascinating is that in Greece and Rome, surveyors were actually people held in high regard and esteem, <laughs> unlike That's, today. Uh, well, depends where you live. Yes. In, I would say in the States, I would agree with you. But there are other parts of the world where surveyors are still held at pretty high regard. And I've uh, had the privilege of meeting some of those on yeah. travels, yeah, right, as sure they should have. be. Yep. So do you know, mm. as an additional bit of trivia, what their surveying tool was called? Um, uh, back then? The, um, I, I, I know this. I know this. But I'm going to let you tell me. Agroma. I did not know that. Yes. What is that? Agroma is a, well, I'll give you the exact definition it was a long staff with a crossbar oh. that served to measure right angles and straight lines interesting groma is believed to originate from about 400 bc in mesopotamia oh. which is now iraq I had no idea but without it they couldn't build straight lines gromer gr i'll translate it in american groma <laughs> okay g-r-o-m-a hmm is it a coincidence that it starts with g-r-o grow Grow. You see where I'm going with this? Kent Grow. Maybe idiot. I should be Kent Gromer. That's what I should be. Kent Gromer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. man. That is good stuff, though. I did not know about the Gromer. I'm going to have to get some mileage out of that for you sure. You should. All right. Next up, we have the Advanced Genetic Surveys Weekly Words of Wisdom. Again, I believe this is pretty fitting for this evening's show. And here it goes. To enjoy good health, to bring true happiness to one's family, to bring peace to all, one must first discipline and control one's own mind. If a man can control his mind, he can find the way to enlightenment and all wisdom and virtue will naturally come to him. Mm. Uh, The one and only Buddha is where that one came from. Uh Yes. So let's introduce our guest this evening. We're going to go from Buddha to Tessa. So our guest this evening is <laughs> Tessa Gurley. A little bit of here about hey. Tessa. Uh, born and raised in the mountains of Colorado. Also spent some time in Texas and California. We're going to get to know more about that here in a second. She attended St. Mary's College for a bit. Then graduated summa cum laude mm-hmm, with a BA in art history from UC Colorado Springs. Hobbies include working out, photography, hanging with her boyfriend, poetry, and I know you think curling's a little out there, pole dancing. Uh, 
<laughs> her current job is she yep. is an integrative medicine practitioner. Her passions are pretty simple. Everything she sets her mind to, she's passionate about. And that could be good or bad. Let's find out some yep. more. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. This sounds amazing. Tessa, welcome to yep. the Geoholics. Thanks so much for being here. Hey, honestly, thank you so much for having me. What a chance meeting about like how we met. Oh, so yeah. Cool. Yeah, we should talk about that real quick. Uh, I met Tessa <laughs> out front of the Waste Management Open. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You and you guys were wanting to take a picture. That's right. It was me and Megan, my best friend, yeah. John, that was in town and his girlfriend were walking out. And of course, we were drunk. And uh, there's Tessa standing <laughs> next to and a pole. I had just lost my keys. And you're standing like next to a pole. in the event. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I How didn't know funny. That. I was standing next to a pole. How apropos. Mm. Yeah, I was standing next to a pole. That's absolutely what I was doing. And then I was just like waiting for my keys. And then I saw oh you guys gosh. wanting to take a picture. And I'm like, hey, I'm into photography. Do you guys want a picture? Yeah. And then we just started talking about podcasts. And yep. so I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. You never know where your next podcast guest is going to come from. No, it's true. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Quick icebreaker. Uh, yeah. Tessa, I love this yes. one, especially when we have somebody on this like you that's lived a really interesting life. Um, two, <laughs> two truths and a lie. Okay. All right. So I have hiked Mount Olympus. Mm. I have hiked the Eiger. And I was bit by a shark or a very large fish one time when I was paragliding. Well, I would like to, as much as I hope the fish bite is a truth, because I want to hear that story, I'm going to say that's a lie. It's true. Is it really? Absolutely true. It was very weird. I was uh, paragliding and, uh, or parasailing in France and we were, I was up in the air and the guy on the boat was like this young kid. Like, I don't even know how safe this was, honestly. Like, I don't, I don't really know. Like at this point, like, cause he's like, Hey, he, and he was saying this to me in French and he's like, down, down, you want to go down down? And I was like, sure. So he dropped me into the water and something bit my leg. What the heck? Like legit bit my calf and I came out of the water bleeding. Wow. wow that's crazy. A big bite, like a big bite on my calf. Wow. So which was the lie? Which, which mountain didn't you hike? The Eiger. The Eiger. Hmm. If you, yeah. you act like you knew that was probably the case, Mark. Oh, it's a pretty Yeah, the Eiger is beautiful. I've been in it, but I've never climbed it. Oh, wow. Mount Olympus, yeah. though. That's quite an accomplishment. It was amazing. Uh, it was really overwhelming, honestly, because I've studied the Greeks forever. And mm. so, like, actually walking up Mount Olympus was really overwhelming. Wow. Good for yeah. you. That is really yeah. cool. And it was right after I got sober, too. So, like, I had been sober for, like, maybe 45 days at that oh, point. Wow. So I was just like getting my life back together and just like, oh my God, I am on Mount Olympus. Like, this is so cool. So it's like everything came together at that very moment. Yeah. Yeah. It was really neat. And I was with my brother and he and I shared sobriety. Like he got sober before me. And so it was kind of like very cathartic. Sure. Super cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, very cool. So you grew up in the mountains of Colorado. Where, where, I did. where about? Where Colorado about? Springs, wasn't it? Yes. Smack dab at the foot of uh, Pikes Peak, which is oh, yeah. 14,000 oh. feet. Yeah. yeah. Okay. In uh, Colorado, we have an affectionate uh, saying, and we say, don't trust anyone under 14,000 feet because we have like 14 14ers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So speaking of geoholics, right, and geography, like yeah. it's a fascinating area because, and it's it's also, honestly, I feel like, like growing up in such harsh conditions, like actually toughened me up. Sure. Um, there's particular herbs called ad adaptogens, mm. which I'll actually get into later on in this episode. Cause I think that they're going to be really helpful for your listeners and essentially they're smart herbs. 
and they grow in like really awful conditions and they become really, really strong hmm. so that when they go into your body, they actually can modulate your body. Like if you need more cortisol, they'll increase your cortisol. If you need less, they'll, they'll decrease it and they just do it. I call them smart oh. herbs. Um, and so growing up in Colorado was really interesting because of like being outdoors a lot and like actually like coming face to face with like bears and mountain lions and, you know, like quite literally, you know, like bears will throw your trash can at your, at your walls of your house in the winter. You have to, you have to strap your dumpsters down and they will, you'll wake up in the middle of the night and it sounds like a bomb is going off and it's a bear literally holding a trash can throwing it at your window wow yeah and wow. so it's just a totally different way to grow up but um made you tough you know, though I, right made you a tough person a hundred percent yeah 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 and also you know i think being in colorado was great because i actually grew up in a really really hippie town like I'm talking about like people actually live in trees, mm. like in this city. It's it's called Manitou Springs, Colorado. Oh, Manitou um, Springs. So it's small. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's small. Garden of the Gods is actually a major historic, like a mm -hmm. major landmark there. Yep. Um, and it really influenced me, obviously, because I was introduced to herbs and alternative medicine very early on. My mom was a little like total hippie doctor like she not she was not a doctor but she was like miss nature and herbs and like almost to the point where there were some times where i was like i really need like legit medical attention and she's like let's just do these herbs <laughs> you know and i'm like but mom like i'm bleeding from like my eyeballs you know and she's like maybe we can try this herb and i'm like i don't know if that's like good right now you know so like i it really did influence how i am now um and also i was very blessed with my educational upbringing um, I was, I went, I attended schools that were technically boarding schools, but I was a, uh, a commuter Day and what, was it? Day what that did was it exposed me to a lot of different cultures and like different beliefs. And I was very blessed to do a lot of experiential education. They were really big in like taking us into the wilderness and literally saying like, y'all have fun, figure it out, oh, wow. you know? Yeah, there was a whole thing that we did in eighth grade called walkabout where they took us and they, they said it was like the big kind of like culmination. It's mm -hmm. taken from the Aborigines um, and what they do with their like the you know coming of age. And they basically just told us as eighth graders, they're like, we're going to these locations. Y'all are planning everything. So like we had two weeks to plan the whole trip, shop for everything, set up tents, you know, like survive in the wilderness for two weeks. We did this death march and like a hot, hot sun hike in the middle of Utah in the middle of the sun. It was, it was intense. Sounds like um, a, sounds like a hazing <clears throat> event that we had at the fraternity when I was in college. Getting Where did you go to school? Southern Illinois university. Go, gotcha. go. How about, How about you? Where'd you go? Me? Yeah. I went to boarding school. Mm -hmm. So explain to me, mm -hmm. one of you, I remember when I was a kid, like me and my brother were bad. You know, whatever we got. My, my mom would always say, "We're going to send you to boarding school." So I always thought that's like where the bad kids went. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Not really. No. It um, does the education system and the intensity of it help straighten out? We'll call them woke, wayward youths. Mm. To be woke, right? Yeah. Um, yep. 
<laughs> but if you think about it, for example, my, my daily schedule was very simple. I, I would get up at six, get a shower or a bath, whatever was available. I'd have to have breakfast by uh, done and dusted by seven. We were in for um, prayer and, um, you know, God save the queen. Class started at eight. Mm. You had an 11 o'clock break for 15 minutes. And then you, 12.30, you were in for lunch, 1 o'clock, classes started again, and you did that till 4. And then we did it six days a week. Mm. But we oh, got, well. a, got a break on um, on Saturday to play rugby or field and track. Mm. The punishment that was doled out was pivotal to why I'm now a driver as a human being. I, I have a driver mentality because you start your French class off, and as soon as you speak English, because you don't know French, they kick you out. <laughs> so mm-hmm. within 10 minutes, you're all standing in the corridor. Well, now you've all got a detention. So what they do is they have these breaks on weekends when you're a boarder called an exiat. And the same with the day pupils. They have to come in and the exiat is you're allowed to go home or hang out with friends. Um, and there's no classes or and anything. But as soon as you have enough detentions, you lose that entire exiat. So you pretty much know to shut up. If you don't know what to say, you don't... Don't say it. Don't say it. And it got so bad, you'd have two hours of French and you walk into chemistry and you'd still be in the French mindset and you'd speak French to the chemistry teacher. Oh, God. Detention. You're done. You couldn't win. You You can't win. Can't win. So... Was that the intent, though? Yeah, that was the intent to teach you to be controlled by the consequences of everything that you do. And then you, you finally figured out the system mm. and you embraced it and you found yourself very engrossed in ensuring that you were delivering the best product because if your grades weren't strong enough, you got a detention, you didn't get to go home, right? Mm. So um, that was kind of the boarding school thing. The worst thing about boarding school, to your wilderness point, Tessa, is we'd have to go to church uh, which is fine, that's not the worst thing, but Catholic Church, you're there for two and a half hours, you come back, there's nothing in the cafeteria except soup and sandwiches that were made the day before, and then oh you God. are turfed out, rain or shine, into the woods to amuse yourself till six o'clock. Oh my gosh. And there'd be a bell and you could come in and you'd have a shower and then you'd be in your jammies and you could watch TV for half an hour and you'd have uh, supper. So interesting. That was how it was. Was that was that anything like your experience at boarding school, Tessa? <laughs> no. So I was um I was a commuter and um like my schedule at the at the time, unfortunately, I was really losing control of my life and I was like severely like addicted to drugs and alcohol. Um so I was like going down a pretty harsh path and boarding school made it really easy because I had very wealthy friends who had a lot of coke. So we would just do a lot of drugs and go to class. And, you know, my friends had rooms on campus, so you can go path out wherever you want. And, Hmm. you know, but I mean, it was, it was, I loved the educational piece. Um, The pressure that was put on us was really excessive um, in terms of like, and I'm sure you can relate, uh, like where it was like, you're not just going to be on varsity. Like you have, or not on, you can't just play volleyball. Like you need to be on varsity. Like you can't just be in the play. You need to be the lead of the play. Mm -hmm. Um, we were prepping for college by eighth grade. Correct. Wow. So it was like, yeah, it's, it's. And so that by the time I got to college, 
was like easy. my freshman year of college, I was like, this is easy. Yeah. And I was just like party on, you know what I mean? Like I was at my, I was in Cali. I was in the Bay area. I'm like, this is college. I was like, this was junior year. I'm <laughs> like, this is great. Yeah. You know, like it was so easy compared to my high school, which is like it, but that just honestly, and again, I'm not blaming the college. It was my choices. Yeah. Let me be very clear. But because I was not like, I guess, mm, given the emotional support, which we can definitely tie into this conversation. Um, I just went crazy, mm. yeah. but you know, again, it did influence how I view health as well now because sure. I see I see the importance of balancing harsh with soft. You can't always approach something with consequence, right? You can't always motivate somebody with fear. You also right. need to motivate with reward, reward. right? Mm -hmm. Like, so yeah, I think that that did influence me because I just, I think that pressure is good, but too much is not good. Sure. Yeah. See, at our school, it was the, the consequences drove you to earn the rewards by being improved. The extra work you did mm. between seven and t 10 when you were in prep, you, you had the option to goof off. But if you buckled down, you, that paper that you wrote might have been a B minus. But when you buckled down, you turned in an A minus and you got accolades. But see, you got that. reward, right? Yeah. So the consequences made sure. So you sure were being driven by both. Both. Yes. And I, th I think that's mm -hmm. what's lacking hmm. today. There is interesting no consequence. Everybody gets rewarded. You get participation awards. Um, and, and there is no true value in what is produced on the education front by the kids today. And I know that's a generalization, but. Um, do, you th do you think that affects uh, males differently than females? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're. we're Which part? Um, what he just described as far, far as there not really being any consequences and everyone gets a trophy and blah, 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 blah. Do you think it affects, you know, like I say, males more than females? My, tr my boys that are, as you know, are grown up, one's 24 and, and the other one's 19 at ASU, they got irritated with people that pulled the team back that still got the same recognition and accolades. Oh, yeah. And the girls in the cheer group, they were actually a lot meaner than the boys and really held the Girls team. are so much meaner than boys. Oh, 100%. yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. awful. Yeah. Um, so like yeah. I always used to say, I would be like, Hey, cause I grew up with men. Okay. So like I was a tomboy, so a little background. I was a major tomboy. I played all the sports. Um, but I was also very artistic. So it was kind of like both mm. worlds, but my, I have an older brother and he and I were very close. Um, and he was like 11 years older than me. So I was kind of like, sometimes just his like not a toy in a bad way, but he'd be like, Hey, let me see what happens when I put you in a box and roll you down a hill. And I'm like, what? And like, by the time I asked the question, I'm already in the box, you know, like duct taped. And I'm like, Oh shit. You know? So it was just, um, okay. But, um, with, you know, growing up in the sports world and then going to hang out with my girlfriends, it was really hard, honestly, because mm. like, I just, I got bullied a lot when I was growing up a ton um, particularly by one girl who I will not mention, but I did come to find out later that her name backwards said, ah, Satan, which was, you know, I was like, oh my God, her name backwards is ah, Satan. And oh I'm my like, God. this is 
it's real. Like she's the <laughs> devil, you know? And I was yeah. like, no, I'm kidding. But like, really, like it was, she was really bad and pretty relentless. And unfortunately, when you're in the, um, the private school world, like you have a class of like maybe 60 people. Mm. And so you're seeing each other from fourth grade until senior year. Sure. So like, I couldn't escape her, yeah, you no know? Choice. And and for me, I was always like, can we just like handle things kind of like guys do? Like, can we just go out back and like slap each other a couple times, like get mad and then like move on? Mm-hmm. Like instead of this incessant rumors and stealing my boyfriends that I like and like, you know, stealing the guys that I like and stealing the, the girls like that I'm friends with, you know, she did all kinds of stuff. And because yeah. she was threatened um, by you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's just kind of one of those things where like I really... I think that women can be a lot harsher than, than men. Sure. But that could also be because we're just naturally a little bit more, um, I guess we're just taught or encouraged. We're just more emotional. Right. And so it's kind of like, yeah, anyway. Mm -hmm. So you're currently a integrative medical practitioner. Correct. Yes. Integrative medicine practitioner is the technical term. Yes. Medicine practitioner. And I'm sure we probably touched on here just a little bit already, but uh, explain a little bit of what, what that means. Absolutely. So integrative medicine is a field that I stumbled upon when I was myself severely ill. Um, I have a lot of intense diagnoses in my background, uh, chronic Lyme disease, uh, mold exposure, mold toxicity. I have a couple genetic uh, SNPs which I'm actually going to talk about later. So I'll go ahead and break it down. Um, SNP stands for single nucleotide polyamorase um, or polypeptide. Sorry. And basically it's just a genetic SNP. So we call it a SNP and it's just a mutation that can cause some issues. Mm-hmm. Um, their genetics. Let me be very clear. Genetics only play. And this is according to my professor at my school, George Washington university. Uh, Dr. Andrew Heyman was my program director. And he's an expert in infectious disease. Um, like one of the world's leading experts designed my program. I couldn't have been more blessed, honestly. Um, and it was funny because it's exactly what I was dealing with at the time. And I had studied this man's work and then I was enrolled in his classes, which was like blew my mind. Um, but basically like there are these genetic things that you can get. One of them particularly is called the MTHFR. We affectionately call it the mother bleeper gene. Um, and another one is called HLADR and the MTHFR mutation um can be responsible for everything from schizophrenia bipolar or i should say one of the main causative factors of everything from bipolar to uh schizophrenia to not being able to detox heavy metals or toxins as well and that's i have you can have three different degrees of this gene um you can be homozygous compound heterozygous or heterozygous Mm -hmm. and the heterozygous people are it's like yeah, they have like maybe like a little bit of a decreased capacity to detox toxins and all of those things that it's responsible for genetic uh, replication, I should say. But then the, I'm compound heterozygous. So I'm at like the second worst. Homozygous is like, that's not good. Um, but I'm compound heterozygous. And then I also have the HLADR SNP, which again is like a detox issue. So in all of this, like I was just really a wreck. I was really sick. I, you wouldn't recognize me. I'll have to show you guys a picture before and after. Um, and I started doing research about myself because Western medicine, traditional Western medicine was not answering my questions. And they were just like, she's an alien. You know, we don't really know what to do with her. And then I 
sought out and like a naturopath and he was like didn't have any social media was like very underground and he was in the Colorado mountains and like everyone was talking about him they're like you need to go see him like he'll help fix it and I'm like all right so like I go into this little clinic and I sit down and he basically just like laid it out and at the time I was vegan and uh, I now since have very very different belief but um he was like you need to eat meat now like this is what's going to happen if you don't um and so then what drew me to integrative medicine after that meeting was he used a combination of western and eastern practices and I was like, this is really interesting, right? Because like he's doing two different things. And so that was my intro into integrative medicine, but I didn't know what it was called. So when I, again, was sick, I set up my phone one night and I made a YouTube video uh, about my symptoms and I put my phone away for like three months, didn't pay attention to it. And then my inbox started to blow up. Like people were emailing me from around the world and I was like, what's going on? And they're like, you're describing our exact symptoms. Like please help me. And I'm sitting there going like, well, I am not a doctor. Like I have a lot of undergrad credits in like health sciences and anatomy, physio, chemistry, all that, but I'm not a healthcare provider. I can tell you what I'm doing to help myself. And they're like anything I'm like, my patients are miserable people. Like they are the sickest of the sick. They're the ones that the doctors cannot figure out and they give them to me. That's who I get referred are the people that the doctors can't figure out hundred percent. And it's not because of them. It's not because of the doctor. Let me be very clear. These doctors are good people. They just don't know the tests. And that's where integrative medicine comes in is it was a group of doctors who were like, hey, like, honestly, we're not legit. We're legitimately not helping our patients. We're just throwing a bunch of pharmaceuticals at them. And then we're giving them pharmaceuticals to cure the side effects from the pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals. And then more pharmaceuticals to cure the side effects from all those pharmaceuticals. And then by the time they walk into the office, they have 18 to 30 bottles Mm -hmm. and they are still getting fat. Like I'm talking about morbidly fat. I'm not talking about like demeaning. I'm talking about like their bodies are inflamed Mm -hmm. and it's because of the drugs. Right. And so I, I, I went searching for a master's track. So I was like, what should I get my degree in? Because I don't want to just be fully holistic because I don't, I think that there is a time and place for Western drugs. Right. Like I really do. I don't think it's the only answer. And then I found integrative medicine. And then it was like, just God, like guiding me. And it was like, here's the program. It's at George Washington University in Washington, DC, very reputable school headed by the Andrew Heyman, who is my program, like who is this guy who I've like been studying. And so immediately I told my dad, I was like, I got to do this. And my dad is my hero. Um, I love my father. Uh, He's taught me a lot about masculinity. Um, and he, he's, he paid for my education. So it's one of the biggest gifts he gave me. And, and that with the integrative medicine degree, he's like, I'm in it, you know? So that's what I just, unfortunately COVID interrupted my, my degree progress. And so I just graduated in May, but I only have one class left. So it was, yeah. So that's integrative medicine and, and it really, in my experience is what it healed me. So what, what percentage of the, of this type treatment, you mentioned that you were vegan when you were going through, you know, it sounds like you were vegan when you were at your worst. 
Is that an accurate statement? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And, and then you said that, you know, you, you've changed, changed your opinion about that. What percentage of these 100%. treatments does include or revolve around uh, diet and nutrition? Number one. Interesting. Uh, with my patients, I always start with number one being the breath. Hmm. Number two being food. Number three being water. And then I bring in supplements. I, I aim to get my patients off of supplements. So when they come to me, I aim to get them off of all their supplements. And I do that with food. And I do have some very strong beliefs about food. I will admit that. Um, it's not rooted in ideology. It's not rooted in a place of bias. It's rooted in a place of science. It's rooted in a place of what quantum biology is actually proving to be true at the electron level. Not it like stripped of philosophy. So, um, yeah, I always assess my, my patient's diets first. I am really excited about this next friend of the program, GeoSearch. They are new for 2023. Sean, tell us about GeoSearch. GeoSearch is a company specialized in geospatial recruiting and staffing services. You know what? I can't believe it's taken three years, but they are recruiters that have a passion for matching job seekers for job openings in the geospatial industry, specifically including job titles such as GIS analysts, GIS developers, liner specialists, land surveyors, as well as management and sales positions. Yeah, that's really great. They have a network of an industry contacts and a thorough understanding of the geospatial job market really allows them to efficiently connect companies with the talent that they are looking to hire. And we know that it is a competitive Man, world right now in the geospatial uh, profession. This company offers a variety of services for both job seekers and employers, including job search assistance, resume writing, I might have to call them, and interview preparation for job seekers and employer branding and sourcing for companies. How can folks find out more? Uh, just go to geosearch.com. And what about the, like, the food that we have available to us today? is scaring itself, right? I mean, it's... Frankenfood. Frankenfood. Yeah. There you go. And, you know, yeah. in, in, you know, it's talked about all the time. In order to, to eat a truly healthy diet with the best food possible, it costs so much freaking money that it only Eating allows food. certain people to be able to truly, you know, live on that sort of, of diet, I suppose. And it's not convenient, well, I, right? Mm. I mean, con convenience is another thing, you know, I mean, I run through McDonald's probably once every other week, probably just because it's convenient or I'm craving it or something, right. um, knowing damn well, it's horrible for me, Yeah, <laughs> but it's like a vice or something. It, I don't yeah, know. It takes care of an urge, but you know, the fries yeah. are addictive. Yeah. Just like uh, meow, 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 meow. Well, they meow, make meow, that meow. food. They, they literally make that food to be addictive. Like they yeah. put chemicals in it. In the, in the fat. So that it smell. will be addictive. Mm -hmm. mm. Oh, yeah. They put chemicals and flavor profiles and mm -hmm. all these the different science. kinds of injections that we don't even know about. But again, when it comes to like food choices and things of that nature, um, with the cleanliness of our food, yes, we definitely, there's all kinds of evidence that points to the fact that our soils are extremely depleted yep. and that even though it says, oh, you're getting all of these nutrients from something as BS as kale, pardon my language, but kale is absolutely not supposed to be anything but a garnish. I'm just saying it. Um, that's what it was grown for and traditionally oh, no, used you've for. you've offended the kale mob. <laughs> I know. I always offend the kale mob. It's fine. 
Oh, I, sure. I would love to like, it's fine. <laughs> I don't mind. Um, but like, even though that is the case, there are things that you can do to mitigate those factors. And it's important to keep in mind that like, we're doing the best that we can. Right. So like, even if you have a tight budget, which I currently like have found different services mm. where you can get meat for like cheaper, right? Mm. Because I'm a carnivore. So I'm a straight carnivore. Mm. Um, it's what absolutely was hands down. I would say one of the most, if not the most pivotal healing things for my body and what I see in my patients. Um, but um, I'm so sorry. I totally forgot where I was going with that. The food. Oh yeah. But we also have to get caught up in the fact that like you, you can't be perfect all the time. Yeah. Right. I think one of the biggest, um... you know, so like we can do as best as we can, but I would prefer somebody to be on a carnivorous diet than eating a bunch of vegetables to be straight up. And I can explain hmm. why I have that theory if you guys would be interested, but I do believe that corn fed beef from a feedlot is better mm -hmm. than a diet full of vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. What were you going to say, Mark? I was going to say, I mean, uh, correct me if I'm uh, wrong here, Tessa, but if you take the na the Native Americans, yes. um, they had bison and grains yes. and they s yes. went through that. On That was their only diet. And now they have chronic diabetes. They're chronically yes. overweight. They can't help it because they were never genetically disposed mm. to create the enzyme that allows them nope. to break sugar down. So there is a summation of everything that you've talked about. L look at us, the Ro Romo Greeks. Um, mm. they, they had a different diet, but uh, they had breads and flowers as they grew up, and we've changed over time. But it's still – look at all the inflammatory response people have with gluten now. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. it's overprocessed. How did that come about? Mm. That, that I'm not sure Tessa can speak to it, but I do know there's companies out there that tell you that they process the bread eight times so that the gluten is broken down and that you can eat it. Tessa's scrunching her face up like I'm talking out, out my ass, but um, <laughs> as opposed to the standard bread that's processed once, yeah. mi mixed once, Got and it. then it, it's higher gluten than the other way. But, yeah. but the gluten thing, like, unless I'm like... I, I, I don't remember gluten being an issue when I was a kid. No. I was actually just listening to a podcast earlier because I am a big time nerd. So I'm always listening to podcasts and researching. And um, I was preparing for this podcast and I actually came across a talk about what the heart surgeon, because everyone's number one concern with, with uh, the carnivore diet is like, oh my God, my LDL cholesterol. <laughs> and then I can get in a lot of trouble by saying like, let's not pay attention to just that. But it's true. And so in this interview, they actually mentioned a study that was just done and I'd have to find it. So this may not be a hundred percent like, <clears throat> sorry, verbatim, but this is what happened. They took people and it was a controlled study and they put them into like a party atmosphere. Like they were like at a dinner party and they gave them food that they said had gluten, <laughs> right? but it didn't and like a lot of them broke out in hives what psychosomatic yeah. psycho yeah 
-hmm. And that is something I'm going to talk about today, even in more depth, but we can talk about diet. If you'd like, we can just jump right into that. And maybe some of these recommendations because. Well, if we could target it more to males, what's specific to men that they need to stay away from? Because I'm tired of seeing the really buff, ripped, gorgeous 72 year old man who's off a GQ going, I eat peanut butter, I don't eat bananas, and I eat pineapple. And drink chocolate milk. And drink chocolate milk, (laughs) yes. And because of that, I have erections that last 12 hours. All right. BS. Yeah, absolutely. You're selling me all kinds of that's that's called that's called juicing. That's in the the bodybuilding world. That's effectively known as juicing, which is not green juicing. Okay, that's not green juicing. It's three mls three times a week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So for men in specific, so the number one. So I actually had an opportunity to intern at the 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 diabetes and glandular clinic in San Antonio, Texas. Mm. And it's the largest diabetes clinic in the United States. And it's actually run by the man who has been voted to be the best endocrinologist like in the United States, like top endocrinologist in the United States. I will not name names. Um, But what I learned there was type two diabetes and overconsumption of sugar, Mm -hmm. even from fruits and vegetables. Yep. Even from fruits and vegetables. High glycemic index. Is very detrimental to a man's testosterone and hormonal profile. Mm -hmm. Um, Now also, um, men do have a higher need for protein than women per pound of body fat, obviously. And you definitely need to be eating more if you're wanting to put on muscle. Um, But honestly, sugar is the thing. Right. So everyone wants to demonize cholesterol, which I'll get into later. It's like one of the most important nutrients for male health. Um, Contrary to what you've heard, you got to have quite a bit of cholesterol in your, in your blood to actually produce testosterone. I can speak Um, quickly. Cholesterol makes testosterone. Right. I I can speak really quickly to that. They're always, they're always beating me up about my cholesterol levels. And I go, which one, the LDL or the HDL? Uh, both actually one's higher than the other, the bad one. Um, but my dad sent me his results and then sent it to, uh, doesn't matter, Dr. Bernie back in England. And he goes, Mark, we're, we're 40 points higher over here in Europe. You're not a risk. Yes. Right. Yes. They, okay. You take yes. the French with all their camembert and their wine and they have higher cholesterol levels, but they don't have heart disease. It's so no. low here. Absolutely love that story. Love that because reference ranges, I need to tell this to your listeners, reference ranges on test results come from a sick population. (laughs) Mm. Okay. Interesting. So I'll give TSH as an example. Uh Okay. TSH Typically on a Western panel, and I don't know what the guidelines are like as of today, they change them, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. But when I was in school, we studied that a TSH of anything above one, two is where we're starting to look at my patients for hypothyroidism. In the Western world, they wait until it's a four. Yeah, that's crazy. Because the drug companies have the ability to sell drugs earlier and maintain that. Yeah, it's a a financial vestiture. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
So when it comes to reference ranges, I just have to empower your listeners to tell them to do their own research about what appropriate levels are. And that if they have a doctor, and I'm going to quote an interview that I listened to, and I will provide the interview to you all to put in the show notes. It was brilliant. Um, He said, quote, if your doctor is only paying attention to your cholesterol numbers, you need to fire your doctor. Right. Yeah. So nutritionally, I think that the basic recommendations that I would give your listeners, like if they need a place to start, like for male health, I would start like say that I, I have people who either need to take a baby step approach or who are like balls to the wall. I'm in. Right. So like a baby step approach, simply if your men don't change a darn thing about what they put in their mouth, but all they do is intermittent fast Mm. for 16 hours a day, they're going to have a better profile in their body. Okay. So it's the constant spiking of insulin and the constant ingestion of food that's really messing people up. So even if the guys that you that are listening to this don't change anything, just fast for 16 to 18 hours a day, you'll still see a change. Because we were with that being we were we grew up back in the you know whatever the ancient times, which for me feels like last week, but um, the (laughs) ancient times it was always feast or famine, and we our bodies were meant to process food and digest food that way, right? It isn't this. Yes, I actually. I inform my beliefs about nutrition and health and everything actually very primally. Mm. Um, I'm really big into ancestral nutrition, studying what our ancestors did before chronic illness, studying traditional tribes <clears throat> who don't have the same issues that we do. And actually there's a wonderful man, um, long time passed away, obviously, but he was pivotal in this movement called Weston A. Price. And Weston A. Price, everybody needs to read his stuff. He studied Aboriginal cultures because of dental issues. He's like, why do Western people have such terrible teeth? And he was finding skulls from like, you know, thousands of years ago, and they have perfect teeth. (laughs) And so he's like, what are we doing? So he went on a, he wrote, it gives me chills. He wrote some of the most pivotal work in, in health history ever and he was informed by aboriginal tribes particularly like the maori the inuit Mm -hmm. and all of them have in common like these cultures that he particularly studied they're all on a very low carbohydrate diet if no carbs at all so the maori for example they subsist mainly on meat and blood from cows Mm -hmm. wow and yet they're out in the african wilderness like literally being beast warriors you know right like yep. they are literal warrior dudes yep. they're badass and those, they're subsisting those are the ones on that mi- mix the blood with the milk yes yes and they that's stir, the maori. stir up the maori yeah mm-hmm. yep Pretty so to your point mark 100 percent. like looking ancestrally is very important mm-hmm. so fasting nowadays is seen as like terrible right mm-hmm. but no you're not supposed to be eating 24 7 you're not. Um, now, the next level that I would suggest to your listeners would be to opt for mainly like clean proteins, you know, like beef, like single source. Right. So like beef is my favorite. Lamb is my second favorite. Ruminant meats tend to be a lot 
better tolerated for people in general. And if they have digestive issues, I could go into, I, I don't even want to go into that. I could talk to, about that for hours, but in general, red meat is much more nutritious and better tolerated by people. Mm. Um, and, but you know, any kind of clean protein eggs also, please don't be afraid of eggs. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Cholesterol does not cause high cholesterol yes. <laughs> um, eggs. And if you need to have some kind of vegetable in your regimen, then I would suggest just starting to cut out everything that grows beneath the ground and stick to above the ground vegetables. Like say that one of your listeners is like having hormonal issues and they're struggling with blood sugar regulation. Cause generally speaking, it's blood sugar dysregulation that comes first. Right. Mm -hmm. And the way that we were taught in school is that hormones are the cherry on top. You have to take you have to pay attention to every single other area and then you pay attention to the testosterone. You don't administer the testosterone and then pay attention to everything. Hmm. Like you're supposed to, I was taught to address everything else. And then in the event that somebody does need testosterone, that's fine. But make sure that you get it from a reputable source that you're getting your levels checked and that you're not just doing it willy nilly at home. Mm-hmm that can be really bad for male hormones because extra testosterone will turn into estrogen. And then you're going to wonder why you're growing boobs and you're losing your hair and you can't get hard. Yeah. I'm just going to say it like, and then you're going to be like, Oh, well it's because I'm literally turning into a female. Yeah. Estrogen, cortisol, it's all counterproductive. My challenge with the whole testosterone thing is, and tell me if I'm smoking crack here with this final story about (laughs) my kids, they tell you what the levels should be. And they try and get you to a level that they think you should be at. But maybe my level was perfect for me to grow to be 6'4 at 599. Why push me to 1100 or 1400? Because that's what the textbook said. So I've told my kids and said, I think you should get a testosterone check. You're 19, you're 24, and you know what your peak levels are. And you put it away until you're 50 or 60 and... Should you have problems, you can say to the doctor, my levels when I was growing up were 750. That's all I need to go to. Does, it, does that make sense? Mm. Or am I smoking It crack? does, so like but the, I will caution the- you because like hopefully mm-hmm. your sons haven't been negatively affected by things like plastics and environmental toxins yet, right? right? So that's my only kind of critique of that idea is just that they could already be affected, right? They're showing that plastics in particular and especially if you think about grade school boys and girls their parents are heating up food to take to lunch in plastic containers Mm -hmm. most of the time and the schools are serving everything on plastic plates and then like that can alter hormones majorly but i don't really think that's a problem because both of them have preaprismia all day long so if we get them to 60 and they can get back to those levels, we're, we're good. Got you. Well, yeah. that's what I'm saying is like, yeah. if there's other symptoms yeah. of positive right. hormonal profiles, then mm-hmm. perhaps yes. <laughs> can preaprismia, constant erection of the penis. I have never yeah, heard that one. There was a kid one. in yes. high school like that. His name was Rand. Poor oh. kid. Poor kid. Yes. <laughs> by the way. Um, Rand Hassel. Tessa, Tessa was speaking Latin earlier, by the way. Which time? Zygotes. Oh. Yes, you crunched yes. up your fa- face in pain. Yeah. You know, Amoa Massamat, Mamus Matasmant. No. Genus Genum, Fila, Felum. No idea what you're talking about. Clearly. It's 
Typically American. <laughs> well, and so, so I guess just kind of like, if your listeners really do want to dive in and do something positive for their health and they want to try the carnivore diet, um, I highly recommend it. Not only for like their hormonal health, because if you just eliminate like the carbohydrates and the sugar and especially refined sugar, mm-hmm. hormonal profiles will start to balance out more and more. Huh. Um, but if they want to try it, I really suggest that they do give it a go. And yeah. if they do want more help with that, I'm sure like if you, if it's okay, like they can reach out to me. I just don't want to mm-hmm. sure. go into all of that. Cause it's not a diet. It's not a podcast about the carnivore diet, but if they do want help with that, I'm happy to assist. Yep. Um, there's if they have any concerns about the safety of it i'm happy to answer any questions um yeah so that's that's my go-to is is definitely paying attention to your blood sugar levels number one i do and one quick question for you you know you mentioned that like beef beef is your go-to right yep as far as that goes um fish where does fish rank yeah so fish is a touchy one um especially like shellfish A lot of people uh, nowadays, unfortunately, and it's kind of an up and coming condition that you're probably going to start hearing more about because it's coming up in podcasts, like big podcasts. Um, It's called histamine intolerance. Mm -hmm. And the number one way you can tell if you're histamine intolerant is if you drink wine and you flush. Mm -hmm. So if you drink wine and you get that flushing sensation, like Mm -hmm. that's a small indicator that you could be histamine intolerant. And with seafood, that's so histamine loaded. And so it can cause like some serious reactions to people. So what I encourage them to do is like eat seafood by itself and have on hand an herb called quercetin, which I can send you a link for that. Eat the seafood, see how your body responds. If you have uncomfortable symptoms, take quercetin, don't do seafood. On that note, I have another question for you. So there are like, I I don't have food allergies that I'm aware of, but sometimes when I eat certain chicken after I eat it, my face starts to tingle and, but like, it's not all chicken and it's some pork as well. But in my mind, of course, you know, the, I'm, you know, Dr. Google, of course, and Mm -hmm. all indications are it's like, whatever, you know, Cancer. some of the, some of the steroids that are in or whatever preservatives that are Absolutely. injected into it. Um, but it's not all chicken. Like if we buy like good quality chicken, I'm fine. But if you buy the little bit lower quality chicken mm-hmm. after I eat it within 15 minutes, it's like, you know, my face is tingling and I start to have that flush. I feeling, get body pain. Thing. Oh, wow. Really? Severe body pain. I get wow. joint pain, like pretty much within 20 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Poultry that? is extremely inflammatory. So poultry yeah. Typical poultry, and this is why you probably react to the typical poultry different than good quality, mm-hmm. is the omega-3 to omega-6. This is just, a, this is a guess, by the way. I don't have a study to back this up. But my guess and what is being talked about in the community about poultry um, is that it's it's higher omega-6 to omega-3 ratio than grass-fed beef. And omega-6s are inflammatory fats and omega-3s are anti-inflammatory and if you have a higher proportion of omega-6 to 3 it's going to be an inflammatory type food interesting mm-hmm. and it's also very like they do not feed chickens 
good feed at all. Um, I even have instances for myself as well, um, where you might not actually be allergic to the food itself, but you're allergic to the food that was given to the animal. So Mm -hmm. I, for example, if I eat eggs for more than three days that are like from a store shelf, I will go into a full autoimmune attack and I will be in my bed for a week. Oh my God. With like, I'll have rheumatoid arthritis overnight. Like quite literally it will start in my left thumb. It does this and then it goes up my forearms. And by the time it's noon, I can't use my hands. Oh my gosh. Holy crap. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. And that happened to me not too long ago in September. And I had gone on like this egg binge and then I was like really not okay for like a week. I woke up with my eyes swollen, but it was terrible. But it's because I'm allergic to corn, like products. Like I have a pretty intense, I should say sensitivity, extreme sensitivity to corn. And Mm -hmm. so when I eat eggs that have been fed a corn type feed, I respond. So you could be responding to the Mm. feed that's been given to the chicken. Interesting. I recently did a food food thing, 500 foods. And um, the only thing I had to stay away from was macadamia nuts. But I did it. Of all things. Of all things. But I did it. For real. Because... Whenever I eat cheese, yeah, my nose sweats. And I'm like, I must be allergic to cheese. <laughs> and I'm like, this is weird. And it feels cold and then sweaty and pin pinly. And then it goes away. And I'm like, I've got to be allergic. So let me find out what I'm allergic to. And then all these foods came up and there were tiny, tiny yep. little blips. But I'm like, no. And what really pissed me off was all the food I told my wife that I was allergic to oh, for no. 14 years. Yeah. That's why I wouldn't eat it like spinach. It was disproven. <laughs> yes, it was disproven. I'm like, shit. She's like, no, you're not. Yeah. She's like, you're not allergic to this. Yeah. I have. You are eating kale, damn it. Kale <laughs> and asparagus. No. 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 Yes. Yuck. Plant so, toxins are a big deal, actually. Yeah, that backfired. Hey, Kent, tell us about one of the OG friends of the program, Safety Apparel. Oh my gosh, Safety Apparel and Matthew Stansbury. They have been with the Geoholics from day one. And in addition to that, they have reinvented Safety Apparel for surveyors with the highest quality materials and most functional and versatile vests the safety industry has ever seen. Man, they really have. Safety Apparel offers ANSI CSA compliant, high visibility surveying construction vest and reflective traffic control gloves, hats, stickers, and patches. In addition, they will provide you with company logos and other designs on vests, shirts, jackets, etc. And Safety Apparel is also introducing the newest member of the Party Chief family, the Summer Yellow Class 3, with zip-off sleeves for Class 2 and Class 3 compatibility. Check them out at safetyapparel.us and send them an email at info at safetyapparel.us with your needs specifically, and they will do their best to get you headed in the right direction. Where does, like, does this tie into mental health as well? Absolutely. So I cannot emphasize enough the importance of men paying attention to their emotional health. Um, And I don't just mean mental health. I do mean emotional health because So we've all heard of the placebo effect mm-hmm. and little did we know that for like, ever since we've started medical research, we've been studying the power of the mind on the body. Mm-hmm. We've been studying the power of emotions on the physical manifestation of symptoms. And there was a, a really good book that I stumbled across early on 
by Lisa Rankin and it's called mind over medicine. And she was this gynecologist who started to realize that like her patients would get better when she would recommend like emotional therapies versus physical ones. And I currently have a patient that I'm working with right now. And I came across a new diagnosis via a colleague of mine, Dr. Grove Higgins out of uh, Colorado. He's a man that I interned with years ago and he's just a great friend, incredible chiropractor. Um, And he introduced me to something called tension myositis which is, it was a diagnosis developed by Dr. John Sarno, who has since passed. But essentially what John Sarno, and this is so cool, it's giving me chills. So John Sarno was noticing that his patients that had chronic back pain, it was emotional. And he came to this realization by recognizing that he could give x-rays to like 50 patients and all of them would have abnormalities in their lumbar spine and low back and sacrum and SI joint. All of them would have abnormalities, but only some of them would have chronic pain. (laughs) So he's like, why are there like all of them have physical abnormalities, but like 10 of them literally can't function because they have such bad pain. What's going on? Like there is nothing going on structurally, even if their scan shows that it's structurally messed up that patient right next to them patient b has the same back but he doesn't have pain right so like what's going on (laughs) so he actually developed a whole process and i'm working on this with one of my patients who has been a mystery to like multiple doctors for years and then i got her um and we're starting and, and I learned about tension myositis from Dr. Higgins, who was like, have you heard of this? And I said, no. And it's emotional pain mm. and it gets stuck in their back. Wow. And there's a new diagnosis, like the, 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 sorry, the new word for that diagnosis, which is more accurate now is tension myoneural syndrome. And I'll break that down. Myo is the root word for muscle. Itis is the suffix for inflame, inflammation. So myositis just means muscle inflammation. Myoneural syndrome means the, the nerve fibers in the muscle, right? The muscle and nerve connections. And he, John Sarno actually has a process and he has like a whole list of things he calls like his 12 daily reminders. Um, and one of them is literally, it says, my pain is not physical. It is emotional. And he has his patients do this brain retraining Mm. and everyone like swears by this man's method. And again, it's backed in research. I, I get fascinated by this stuff. So rein me in. What would you like to know about it? Cause I could go on for hours. Yeah, no, I, I I like where you're going with this, Uh, you know, on the surface that, you know, they say the mind is the most powerful muscle, right. you know, in the, in the human body. Not in your case. Which was, <laughs> well, no, you're right. Second, second Man, most powerful. Yes. Yeah. Big. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. yeah. But it's, um, it's, it's really amazing when, and, and you've touched on it already, you know, when somebody, you know, gets diagnosed with cancer, let's say, right. They can go one of two ways, I guess, you know, their mind, yep. Can manifest them Mm -hmm. getting past this challenge, this health challenge, or they can make the unfortunate choice of woes me. Mm -hmm. 
this is a death sentence. And I have an example about this. That's real life. Mm -hmm. And it was, it's actually from a woman, but it's one of my best friends ever. Um, unfortunately I can't find her right now, but we'll talk about that later. But anyway, sorry. She, um, she, her mother died of breast cancer and her aunt died of breast cancer. And that's most likely showing that she has the BRCA gene, right? The famous infamous BRCA gene, which is like, you will get like, there's like a 75% likelihood right. if you have that gene. And which one day I remember Angelina she asked me, she was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, she what had was it. that? Like and Angelina Jolie had a double mastectomy yes. because she heard about that. Yeah. She was being uh, proactive. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. So that's, that is what Angela, Angelina Jolie found out that she had. And I remember my friend after her aunt had passed, she said, you know, do you think I should get tested for the BRCA gene? And I just said to her, nope. Oh, really? And she said, yeah, yeah, I said, don't do it. And she said, I'm on the same page. And I said, you know, Casey, like medically, I have to say, you know, get tested. But as your best friend and as a practitioner, I say, don't do it because you could sit there for the rest of your life and just worry, worry. Yeah. Yep. And very well could manifest that breast cancer. Yep. Like absolutely could do that physically. They've mm-hmm. shown it. Um, so when it comes to men's emotional health, I do want to be very sensitive to the fact that like some guys don't really want to tap into their emotions. Okay. Like it's hard. And my boyfriend can attest to this. Like I was talking to him earlier about this interview and, you know, like one of the most brilliant things that he said though, was he's like, it's, we still have these emotions, like men still have emotions, but mm-hmm. we just, it's, it's harder to like, and he didn't say this, he did, he said that part, but then we started talking about how sometimes it's more difficult to verbally process. Right. Mm-hmm. So with your listeners, I just encourage them to become aware of their emotional well-being to start. If like diving into emotions and like these kinds of things, they hear that and they're like, oh God, like, I don't want to go see a therapist or, you know, I get it. Like, I get that. That's a tall order sometimes. And if you do need a therapist, please go get one. Like coming from a female, right? Like we don't think less of men who go to therapy. Okay. So like, I'm just trying to say for the guys out there, like if you have a therapist, like we're not going to think less of you. Okay. However, Like if that's just somewhat like just too much, like just start becoming aware of your emotional well-being because depression Mm. actually shows up very differently in men than it does with women. Mm -hmm. So depression in men manifests more as uncontrollable irritability and anger and just like an ultra short fuse. Um, They don't tend to be like in bed crying Okay. So like a lot of times male depression is missed because it's just, it just shows up differently. Shows up as machismo. Yes. A hundred percent, which I can speak to machismo in all kinds of ways, <laughs> but, but if yes, you're a machismo in- man and you start to cry at a puppy commercial, you need to get help. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, you know, so with the emotional health, um, just start to become aware of how you're doing, you know, and legitimately ask yourself, like, how am I? Cause I also think that because men are, I mean, like everyone out there is working nowadays, but in a traditional kind of family setting or, you know, guys are working a lot. They're not, they're just kind of like grinding 
right? Like focused work. And I'm not saying females don't do this too, but I'm just saying like, mm-hmm. like the time, the quote time to care about my emotional health is not nearly as prioritized I've seen mm-hmm. with men that I know. Um, again, I can't like generalize, but I'm just saying from like my experience, it's kind of like, I don't have time for this. Yep. Yeah. Even though it's really important. How, like, how can men nurture, you know, mental health, emotional health, yeah. like you mentioned, because men are so uh, prideful, you know, they don't yep. want to admit weakness or fault or, you know, whatever. Um, not great communicators for the most part to begin with. And it's like you said, it's a tall order, you know? My dad, yep. my dad and said so, something really powerful to me ahead, a long time ago. Um, you know, I was like, how are you coping with all this? Because my father, unfortunately, mm. was in a major, he had a suicide he walked into. He had a store that failed to open because oh my his gosh. HR manager had breast cancer, didn't tell anyone. And so he had a, a typical nervous breakdown and they put him to sleep for two weeks and woke up and he he was fine. But he said it best to me that helped me understand some of the challenges that I go through, which was, Mark, once we passed on our seed back in the old days, there wasn't much use except for us to go out and get food mm. and fight and take over villages and, and we were killed in the process. We didn't have a very long livelihood. <laughs> so now we're living to 78 and 80 and we have to look at ourselves and we have to have conversations with ourselves. We've got no one to kill. We don't have a dinosaur to club to death. <laughs> you know, yeah. what are we going to do? Yeah. And we aren't gene- genealogically disposed to self-awareness and personal conversations. Mm. It's, ugh, ugh, beat my chest, I'm Tarzan. And when we start to not hit those uh, points and yep. those markers mentally, especially the self-awareness and especially the self-vision of how we see ourselves, we don't know how to cope and there's no tools. And, if, and, and to flash forward... The person that really did the most work and help for male imagery was Bob Dole with the pencil in his hand on all the stage showing that he was frail and he had a challenge and then he did the whole ED thing and he's like, you know, and and that really pushed the whole movement, Mm -hmm. I I think, uh, forward. But once my dad said that to me, I started to think later on in life that it isn't my fault. It's okay. I can accept this. There really isn't anything wrong with me because I'm not made to be this way. I need to learn to be this way. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is that a fair, yes, fair for sure. Yeah. And like another thing <clears throat> that I was talking about with my boyfriend earlier is, and I do this with patients quite often. I like to call it a physiological bypass, which I, <clears throat> sorry, I don't know if that's a like a technical term, but I've kind of come up with it on my own. And sometimes when like words are not accessible or like, or say that a patient is having a pain somewhere in their body, like in their head, just touching a different area of their body and bringing awareness to that area helps divert their brain away from the pain point to a point that doesn't have pain. And then the pain in the area where there's pain tends to go away because their brain is now paying attention to an area that doesn't have pain. 
with men, physical touch, just physical touch alone can be a way to kind of soften. Like when, like, and it, it can come from a partner, like just a simple like touch of the hand or like a hug or like a touch on the heart. And if somebody does not have a partner, um, a really good resource would be a weighted blanket. Um, I'm also a really big fan. Like, I know this might, this might sound fluffy, but there's like a, there's a technique called a hug that can actually like say that some, a man is like, I'm recognizing that I'm having some emotional discomfort right now, but I don't know how to process this. Yeah. If you have a partner, like we, my boyfriend and I will do this. Like he comes up and it's like, and this was at the recommendation of like my therapist and we had a session together and she's like, just, just hug each other. Like it's just physical regulation that goes all the way back to being a baby. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like, <clears throat> like he'll say to me, like, I'm having these emotions. I don't really want to talk about it. I don't want to process it. And then we'll just hug and like things get better. And like, he has said that it really does help. Um, and also, um, what he also said is that just the fact that he's admitted that he has feelings is hard and it doesn't mean that he's not having them. So I think that maybe like for someone who's just learning how to like process emotions, maybe like talking is not the first way to go. Mm. Like maybe you need to learn how to like re-regulate your nervous system. Right. And then you can start to think more clearly because if your nervous system is wacky and like it's dysregulated, you're not going to think clearly. So you have to start by regulating your nervous system. Sounds like and you're dating Clint Eastwood. What was that? <laughs> Sounds like you're dating Clint Eastwood. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's very stoic, but like, but like over the course of our relationship, like I've watched how the physical touch has helped him and me both. Right. Cause even though I'm female, I, I have a very strong, like masculine energy side to me where I can just like shut down. Like I will be the one that's like in a corner, like just quiet, like, and that physical touch has been helping both of us. Um, some other ways that men like say that they're recognizing that they're emotionally dysregulated. Maybe they're feeling really irritable at their wife or the dog or traffic, um, Buteco breathing. So we always have our breath, right? Like no mm. matter where you are, you don't have to like get your breath. It's there. And there's a particular method called Buteco breathing that I really, really like. Um, I can provide a link for your listeners, but it's basically, it's not deep breathing. It's contrary to that. It's breathing through your nose, which calms the nervous system anyway. And we're supposed to breathe through our nose, by the way, not your mouth your nose was meant for breathing. Your mouth was meant for eating. That's a Chinese proverb. Like, so it's gentle breaths and, and the emphasis is on holding the breath out for as long as you can, because when you hold the breath out, you actually increase CO2 in your bloodstream and CO2 has an anxiety relieving effect. So initially, when your body gets exposed to higher levels of CO2, you're going to feel more anxious. 
but then it's going to create a deep calm. And that's just because you're doing something called creating a CO2 tolerance. Okay. So just simply like say that somebody's feeling emotionally dysregulated. They're like, I'm aware that I'm having emotions right now and I don't really know how to process them. Five minutes, go to the bathroom, go to your car. I do this all the time. Like, and you just do the Buteco breathing, slow, small breaths through your nose, which again, I'll give you a video so that if people want to reference it, they can know the exact technique. That's awesome. Yeah. And so you just do that and you will change the chemicals and the neurotransmitters flowing through your body very fast. And then you'll be able to think and process. Does that method that you're describing, is that applicable to someone who's having a, you know, dealing with anxiety or having a panic attack, Absolutely, that type thing. It sounds like it'd be a really good, um, you know, potential solution for situations like that. Oh God. Okay. I'll give you a real life example for your listeners. I'm sure a lot of men that are listening to this give presentations. Mm -hmm. Right. And like just simply doing Buteco breathing for like five to 10 minutes before that presentation will help. Right. And like, if you're in the moment and I do this myself because like I have a very high propensity toward anxiety, like that's where I go. I'm more of like the anxious person. Mm -hmm. Like that's yeah. So if I'm starting to feel anxious in the moment Mm. and I recognize, okay, I'm starting to have anxiety. I'm in a social situation it's starting to vignette. You know what I mean? Like it's things are starting to close in around me. Yep. I'll just be like, Hey, just a second. I'm going to go to the bathroom. And then I just go to the bathroom. I put my, I put, I personally put like a hand of mine on my chest because this actually is from an Institute called heart math. Putting your hand on your chest is a technique from an Institute called the heart math Institute. Very cool research Institute, but they show that just putting your hands on your heart, And just letting yourself like breathe into your heart and your head, which I know sounds again, kind of hippie. It'll actually sink the brain waves to the heart waves and you'll become what's more, what's called more coherent Mm. and heart coherence is really being shown to be a very important factor in all kinds of health issues. So um, I would, I would suggest to your listeners, like say that they're about to have a panic attack. They're giving a presentation. They can't go to the bathroom. Okay. Just, just gently, maybe like adjust your tie, just kind of place your hand on your chest. Maybe for emphasis, you can kind of touch yourself right there and, you know, breathe out like out and just pause in the sentence. Like just give yourself like a break of speaking because when you're speaking, you are getting rid you're dumping too much CO2. And then what happens is light hyperventilation. So you actually accumulate too much oxygen in your blood, not enough CO2, and then you, you perpetuate anxiety. So taking breaks to let the breath out all the way, you'll hear, I do it right now. I'm doing it right now. I'm taking pauses because I want to continue thinking clearly. So I'm taking a moment to let my breath out. And that will help with anxiety. Mm. So in order for men to really pay attention to their emotional health, I feel like they do need to 
like first and foremost recognize it's okay to have emotions like you are a human you know secondly just become aware of your emotional state notice am i a little bit more irritable lately am i a bit more angry lately you don't have to analyze it just notice right and then feeling emotionally dysregulated they can do breathing techniques they can do physical touch there's certain herbs and supplements that can help like pretty fast um but just paying attention to their emotional well-being is going to be extremely important for their health overall so but you have to regulate the nervous system first before you can actually process sure the uh the go-to is zoloft and shit like that right yeah yeah I, th- I thought you just took a hit of mary jane <laughs> well there's that too right mm. yeah. <laughs> which so, is honestly like actually fine but like yeah. Yeah, yeah, i'm yeah, actually yeah. a big fan of the cannabinoids um i love the cannabinoids mm-hmm. uh i think they're great any yeah so that's that's where i feel like the mental health piece comes in but i would like to touch on dopamine if we could yeah please do um okay so speaking of like mental health um what i have seen is a severe increase in apathy and lack of motivation going on in the male population and i've seen that with friends i've seen that with patients um i've heard that from friends i've heard that from patients like i have a patient in particular i'm thinking about and i've worked with him for about two years um off and on and we do mainly like coaching Mm -hmm. like this but time and time again like he would come in and he's just like i'm just miserable i'm bored i don't know what to do with my life i have no drive And like, we were doing all the physical things, right? Like he was on the carnivore diet. He was doing CrossFit. He's doing Mm -hmm. yoga. I mean, like we're doing all the physical things, right? Supplements, detox. And it wasn't until we actually did gratitude journaling that he had a change in his behavior. So I was like, finally, like, you know what? You just need to email me by 7 a.m. every morning, three things that you're grateful for. (laughs) And two weeks in, he's like, my mood has improved drastically. And his motivation is back and he just bought another house and he accomplished one of the goals that he has been wanting to accomplish for two years. And he quit smoking and he did have a relapse this past weekend, but he got right back up and his attitude adjustment was like that. Wow. Like he emailed me and he's like, I relapsed, but I'm tired of feeling sorry for myself. I'm getting back on track today. And I was like, that's a completely different animal. Right. Yeah. So I'd like to talk about dopamine because it is, it's what's called a neuromodulator. It's not just a neurotransmitter, but it actually modulates all the other neurotransmitters in the body. And there is a connection between dopamine and testosterone. And let me pull up my little notes here. Hold on. Let me find where I found the study. Where does the uh, dopamine come from? Brain. Uh, well, dopamine is a neurotransmitter in your brain. And your gut. Dopamine is is really powerful actually um but people are becoming what's called dopamine depleted and dopamine depletion is completely in my opinion very responsible for the lack of motivation apathy um decreases in testosterone because 
dopamine is not the molecule of reward. It is the molecule of motivation. And we are being berated by dopamine all day, right? You pick up your phone, dopamine hit. Music, dopamine hit. Food, dopamine hit. Uh, Porn, major dopamine hit. Drugs, major dopamine hit. Cell phone, Facebook, Instagram, dopamine, dopamine, dopamine. And then what happens is your dopamine baseline drops. And then you're not motivated. Like zero motivation. And let me pull this up. Hold on. Let me find the study. Yes. Okay. We're bombarded so all dopamine day long and testosterone have what's called. Yeah. Yes. Constantly. Yeah. And so dopamine and, and testosterone have a bi-directional relationship. Meaning as dopamine lowers, so does testosterone. They affect each other. Okay, so like higher dopamine, higher testosterone, lower dopamine, lower testosterone, but they also like affect each other, right? So it's not like dopamine just affects testosterone, testosterone just affects dopamine, both affect each other. Hmm. So if you are having decreases in your dopamine, chances are your testosterone is also low. Or your testosterone's off and you're having decreases in your dopamine. And therefore you're feeling less motivation. So a simple thing that people can do, and it's hard, it's simple and it's really effing hard is to do what's called a dopamine reset prior to everything. Right. So like what you'd have to do is basically become a monk for 24 hours, no phone, no music, books, walking, laying in bed, like hardcore rest day free of any kind of stimulation possible. But still porn. <laughs> sure. Yes, absolutely. Because it's like so healthy. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, but I watch clean midget porn. They've had a bath before they go on. Bridget the midget. Bridget yeah, the midget. Oh, anyway, so, awesome. Anyway, just oh, wanted God. to make yeah. sure. But um, so they would just basically become a monk for a day or two. And what this actually will do is they'll come to find that they'll actually have more satisfaction from the same activities that they did prior to the dopamine reset, because the dopamine, it's like almost like tasting it again. Right. So like you haven't tasted it in a couple days, you go to the gym and man, that workout's going to feel good. So men really also need to think about dopamine. Like, how often are you on your phone? Like how often are you watching porn? Like I could get into a whole discussion about that, but you know, it's, it's just, a that is so important to, to male health hmm. because again, it's that drive men in general. What I, again, have seen is really driven by purpose and like, mm-hmm. I want to be like purposeful and like go out, like you said, and hunt for the food and get the food and bring it home for my family and do these things. But if you don't have that motivation to do those things and you're just like simply just laying there, you're not going to feel like you have a purpose. And then you're just going to get more depressed and then your testosterone is going to go down. I mean, it's just like a huge negative feedback loop. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of men deal with that. Like on a regular basis. Well, it's also tell me te- more. How, how so? 
it, well, it's also touching on the <coughs> biggest frailty of communication in good relationships because guys are, again, I use this phrase all the time, genetically disposed to fixing. Yeah. Women yes. need us to shut up and listen. And then we feel yes. stupid because after we've listened, you don't really want us to do anything about it. And now we feel no. impotent, but that's okay. We've fulfilled our purpose as a partner, but... Uh, how many guys listening to this can actually last long enough while your significant other goes through a rant and then not be allowed to do anything yeah. about it, right? Right. And um, that, that's a big communication problem right sure. there. But we're, we're, we're meant to be driven. We're meant to fix. Yeah. Right? Right. Yes. And I do feel like having a lack of purpose is mm -hmm. really critical. Um, I, I worked with teenagers who were starting to get in trouble for drug addiction uh, years ago. And it was through a nonprofit in Colorado and the young people in general, both men and women were severely apathetic. And I used to tell counselors, I was like, Hey, honestly, I can deal with depression and anxiety a heck of a lot better than I can deal with apathy. Apathy, yeah. Mm. Cause by the time you've gotten to apathy, it's real tough to start getting you to care again. Yeah. Right. And so, but apathy, you can don't be a sign care that you don't care. Right. But mm. right. But, yeah. but that can also be dopamine. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like, I have to think about these things all like in conjunction, it's like, well, it's chicken and egg and we'll never really know, you know, what the origin was, but I, I saw such a severe lack of purpose. And nowadays I think it's very important for men to find a purpose. So can, right? we, can Even we just if, go get a shot in our butt of dopamine? No, <laughs> you want to produce dopamine as much as possible. I suggest people altering their hormones endogenously. So inside the body as much right. as possible versus exogenously, which is external to the body. Correct. Of course, there is always a time and place for exogenous hormones. But I think mm. just doing a dopamine reset, um, doing some purpose work, honestly, um, coming to even okay, so there's a Greek concept that I love, and people know of agape, but they don't ever talk about arete. Arete is like how Athens became as great as it was. So arete means excellence. This is how I live my life, and I adopted this a long time ago. It's like whatever you do, be an excellent one, and that's kind of what I meant by like on both the positive and negative sides. I've been very passionate about things, right? So I was a very passionate alcoholic and i was also a very passionate sober mm. person right so like i'm not encouraging people to pursue negative things as their purpose what i'm right. trying to say is that when you find a purpose and you combine it with this like arate excellence thing even like jordan peterson talks about this a lot even just getting up and going to work at subway becomes meaningful Doing the dishes becomes meaningful. Making your because bed. Because you're doing it. Right? Making yes, your bed. Exactly. Yep. It, it because it, it's, it's excellence, right? And I feel like if men can start to say, like, you know, find this purpose, it's just going to be a positive. They're going to start feeling better about themselves, which will help increase dopamine. It'll help increase testosterone. It'll help with emotional health. See, everything is just connected. So you mentioned the dopamine, uh, like reset. Which, yes. I mean, like you said, that's something that we can do. It's it's not easy. 
right? No. But are there some other things, maybe baby steps that we can take that uh, yes. will, you know, kind of accomplish the same thing, but in, a, in smaller steps or smaller dosages, whatever? Absolutely. Number one, I would say is pay attention to how often you're on your phone. Mm-hmm. So I've noticed in myself that the longer I go without looking at my phone, the less anxious I am. Mm. So I would suggest something called chunking to your viewers, which is kind of playing off of Tim Ferriss a little bit, which is where and it's been a lifesaver for me in terms of like productivity. And it's basically saying like, this is what traditional chunking is. I'm going to check my email three times a day. Right. Not every time an email comes in, I'm just going to check it at eight at noon and at five. And I do that with my patients. I tell them I'm only checking my email twice a day because if I'm constantly on my email, I'm dopamine, 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 mm. right? So guilty. if your male listeners, guilty yeah, is charged. You're going to find that the less time you spend on your phone, the clearer you think, the more motivation you have. And again, I'll give a personal example. I know I'm not a man, but this is what happened. I was addicted to TikTok, hardcore. And I know a lot of people are addicted to TikTok and Instagram reels and Instagram yep. and all these things. Well, I, I got really, really sick back in September and um, like seriously ill. And I couldn't use my phone for like four days. So no TikTok. And I had been having some trouble sleeping at night, like just thoughts, right? Obviously slept like a baby when I was super sick. Was it because I was sick? I don't know. Was it because I didn't have my phone? I don't know. What I do know is that the first night I picked up my phone and I opened up TikTok for maybe 30 minutes, I was up all night long. Like I could not relax. And I'm like, dang. So I started researching it more deeply and just started to find out how dangerous these things actually are to our dopamine levels. So I would suggest if guys cannot give up that, like I just straight up gave up TikTok. I don't even log on it anymore. Mm. Like I'll open it every now and then I have like 800 notifications. I'm just like, whatever. I just close it. Um, if they can't give it up, just start with like, I'm only going to check it once a day. Right. I'm And like for porn, same thing. I had a boyfriend like, years ago who was hardcore addicted to porn and I watched him lose his hair right like he literally lost his hair and like it 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 was and he was 23 wow that's crazy yeah his testosterone levels got down to the monkey one, Dude, you still have a full head of hair I'm shocked I know I'm on it his testosterone levels got down to a 190 oh my gosh wow and crazy. guess what we came across a bunch of Taoist literature and talking about like how the Taoists view sexuality and like how many times to like actually ejaculate and all these kinds of things. And I was like, Hey, let's try it. And like his hair grew back. Oh my God. That's insane. Like, I'm not even joking. Like it was a trip to watch this whole thing happen. And I was like early on in my, my medical like studies. And I was like, Oh my God, this is so cool. You know? And he was like all embarrassed. And I was like, don't be embarrassed. This is awesome. Like, (laughs) you know, speaking about emotional dysregulation, I'm like, no baby was great. Yeah. Um, but just starting to kind of like cut back. Right. So like, if you're watching porn, like every day, like maybe just go to once a week, you know, for like three months and then cut it out and just watch the magic. Never. 
You can't. Me? No. Why are you looking at me? Because I know you're spanking the monkey all the time. What? But it can't. No. But if you watch porn that much, I mean, not, I don't know this from experience, but Whatever. I have to assume that at some point you become like desensitized, right? They do. The Unfortunately, porn. that is what happens. And then, like, I, again, I went through this process with my ex, right? Like, real time. And, you know, he explained it to me. He's like, it's just like because of how high porn spikes it right it's all essentially the way that i describe it to men is my patients porn is like meth a real woman is like a cigarette mm. but much more satisfying. it's like a piece of chocolate mm-hmm. it's a small dopamine hit compared to that meth mm-hmm. and so then they get into like a real relationship and they go, Oh wow. I am not nearly as excited. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Very strange. Don't understand it. Um, one thing I want to make sure we talk about. Yeah. Um, fascinating. But on that point, I did want to say just one thing. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say one thing about the yeah. emotional health that I did want to say to the women out there to help their men mm-hmm. is on a woman's side. Like if you are like, if you have, if you're in a partnership or like just as, as like, and people in general, I should say like women and men all across the board, we all really need to actually, I feel, learn how to receive tough information from somebody because that moment when somebody opens up to you, like say that you're a man, you're effing terrified at like opening up to your partner or whoever you're with about how you feel and then they don't respond super great. Like that's going to kind of shut you down, shut you down a little bit. Yeah. Reverse you know? effect. And so, yeah. So I think that it's very important for all of us, especially like women in a, in a, you know, male female relationship um, to, to really acknowledge that it is difficult for men to process verbally mm-hmm. and to meet them there. Um, and to also like put aside our desire to verbally process all the time and maybe just go to physical touch sometimes. Right. Like, cause women are verbal processors, myself very much in particular. And that just sometimes doesn't work for my boyfriend at all. And so I have to just like take a back seat and be like, you know what? Like we can talk about this later. I've had to learn like, when is a, a good time to bring something up? Not because I'm mm. scared of his reaction, but because I'm sensitive to the fact that it's kind of new, you know, and not because I'm scared. It's just, I, I just feel like it's kind of new. So I just try to be, um, I'm just trying to like allow, I'm just trying, I, I'm trying to create an environment where it's not scary. Right. So I do think it's really important for like, partners in in like male female relationships and whatever kind of relationship you're in to that end to learn how to hold space i think if great advice if your partner let's just say call it my wife understands the effort that was taken for me to acknowledge what i'm going through to feel comfortable to verbalize it and verbalize it eloquently Mm more attention needs to be paid to hear what I'm saying because I may not say it in the best way, mm. but that I'm obviously in pain, in, or, in, in sufficient enough pain to want to express it. 
and I need help. Love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Great point. Absolutely. Um, I think we've touched on a lot of this already, um, but one of the things I want to make sure we do talk about is um, self-actualization. I know that's something that you, yeah. you know, mentioned in your bio that you want to make sure that we touch on. So let's, let's go ahead and go down that path just a little bit. Yeah. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yep. Really fascinating. And this ties directly into dopamine motivation and purpose mm-hmm. and physical health. What about pole dancing? So pole dancing is like the best. We have guys in our class too. Like there's no a, yeah. really, yeah, yeah. There's actually a world renowned, like he's incredible. Shout out to Forrest. Uh, he's, a, a, a he practices at our studio and he's amazing. Wow. Like, and he's like, he's all over social, like he's all over his social media. He's got like blue and purple hair. He's phenomenal. Like he's super wow. strong. Wow. I have to believe he, he probably doesn't have your physique. I tell you. No, he's it. very. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Hey. Forrest is shredded. Forrest or is mine. shredded. Or he's mine. like, or all of us yeah. are like Forrest. And like, he can just hold things like so much better than us. Anyway, whatever. But crazy. when it comes to self-actualization, like Maslow's hierarchy needs, hopefully your viewers know this, but if not, then, and I'm so sorry if I'm sounding redundant to people who do know, but basically there are seven layers to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And it starts with like the basics, like food, shelter, water, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it goes all the way up to self-actualization. Now, in his theory, you cannot really attain self-actualization until you have established these other layers, right? So like, you can't really think about self-actualization if you, I mean, you can't, you can but it makes it a lot harder to self-actualize actualize if you don't have water. Mm. Like if you're out in the desert, like searching for water, maybe you'll have a very spiritual experience and have some self-actualization and you can turn that experience into something. But typically we need to take care of the basic needs first before self-actualization. And this is what I was getting to in regards to men learning how to regulate their nervous system before mm. they, they tap into emotions. Cause it's kind of like self-actualization is it's more of the etheric esoteric purpose motivation. Like we were just talking about, but those things are very difficult to realize if your nervous system is out of whack. Mm. So just like culminating all of what we just talked about over the past like half hour, maybe for your male listeners overall and their health, I would suggest a diet that's low in sugar. If no sugar at all, do the techniques that we talked about in terms of like intermittent fasting, nutrition, breathing, water, all those basic needs, Again, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, basic needs. Start to become aware of your emotional health. You don't have to dive too deep into that water just yet, but just become aware of it with the techniques that we've talked about. Find a purpose, right? Like find a purpose, even if it's simply, simply. Today, I'm going to go to work. And instead of cursing the entire way there, I'm going to put on some classical music. I'm going to think about where I want to, like how I want to help my customers today. You know, 
just changing that perspective to something of purpose. Like, how can I be of service today to my customers? Like that can just change your experience of the whole day in an instant. Wow. And then on the nerdy bit side, that's going to alter dopamine. That's going to alter testosterone. You're going to have a better hormonal profile. It, it, you can't separate the physical from the mental, emotional, psychological, spiritual. It's not possible. Yeah, so it's all interconnected. Yep. No question. A wicked web. Yeah. Um, gosh, I know there's so much more we could talk about, but I also feel like we touched on a lot. This we has been did. awesome. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I hope that this was, this was super fun. I really enjoyed That's it. That's been great. You had some yeah. amazing questions. I, it's, it's, I'm leaving this conversation with a lot to think about. That's for sure. And you now know. Yay. Yes. And I'm, I'm sure our listeners are going to be the exact same way. No doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What, uh, well, thank you. Oh, yeah, no, go ahead. You go. I was just going to say thank you so much for having me on this. It was really fun to prep for and y'all were really good hosts and um, really thank you. Yeah. We'll have you back yeah. for sure. Your boyfriend, is, we, your boyfriend it, is very lucky. He is. Aw. No, no doubt. He's, a, he's an amazing man. Well, he's an amazing man. I'm extremely blessed to have him in my life. So yeah. And the fact but, that you guys take the time to understand each other at so many different levels. I mean, that's, that's huge. Well, the way that I describe it to him and I'll kind of put this out there too, is mm -hmm. like most relationships do not end because of a big thing. It's like little tiny cuts. It's like the Chinese death of a thousand cuts. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's like all the little tiny cuts accumulate. And then 30 years later, you find yourself miserable and still upset because of that dishes that the dishes, you know, <clears throat> and it's like, oh, he never cared. Well, no, like, and so like, we both just don't want like small little cuts. So that's why we do put this effort in and it, it's extremely rewarding for us both. And, you yeah. know, so yeah. I encourage, I encourage your listeners to do the same. It's, it's hard, yeah. you know, and if he can do it, like it's, he's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like it. Sounds like it. Yeah, that's awesome. So we have one question that we ask all of our guests. So I want to make sure that we get it out there to you as well. I'm looking forward to your answer here. Um, do you have a mantra that you live by? Oh, yeah. Easy. Discipline creates freedom. Mm. So I, I feel very strongly that when you discipline yourself, like, for example, with pole dancing, like I discipline myself. I'm in the studio two times a week. Sometimes I've been missing Saturdays, but I'm getting back on track with two times a week. And I practice and I do the stupid little drills that like, you you know, all the ones that are like, quote, easy for me now, I still do them. I discipline myself because now, because I'm so disciplined, I have the freedom to do crazy things. Right. But it took the discipline in order for me to gain that freedom. So when it comes to things with health, Yes, it may take discipline to change your diet. It may take discipline to uh, tell your partner, hey, I'm having an emotion right now and I'm uncomfortable. Can you hug me? Right? Like, just start there. Mm. And like, just by having the discipline to do that, you'll gain freedom, right? Because then you're not going to have these chronic illnesses. Anxiety is going to be down. You can think more clearly. Mm. Um, you have a better, more fulfilling relationship with your partner, which just sets you up for success and everything else. So discipline creates freedom has been a mantra that has affected my life. And I'm definitely getting it tattooed on my body very soon. Oh, I love it. 
Nice. Yeah. I love it. What about you, Mark? Anything else? You've covered everything, I think, mate. Yeah? Yeah. Did she exceed your expectations, my friend? Yes. She spoke Latin. <laughs> yes. And she school. talked know, about right? porn, which that, that was great, right? Not really. You yeah, think, whatever. You think I'm a Mark, whatever, whatever. whatever. Yeah, you guys had such good questions. And Mark, thank you for, and, and, and Kent, just thank you for your contributions and all the tidbits. I learned some things too. And so it's just, it's great. I love collaborating. Yep, it was great. Um, is there any information you'd like to share, like how folks can get a hold of you or how they can reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, I am on social media on Instagram and it's underscore Tessa Gurley. And I can actually provide that for your show notes if you'd like. And then they can always like, if you have listeners who have questions about their, their diet or Mm. what's going on in their life, if they need extra assistance, Mm -hmm. I do provide 15 minute free consultations with anybody and they can call me. I have a business number I'll put, um, in the description box. Cool. Um, and they can text me, they can call me, they can email me, and I'd be happy to help them. It's my absolute passion. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, well, we'll make sure we get that information out there when we post the episode. But you only respond once a day. No, twice. She Sometimes twice. Twice, 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 twice. Yeah, yeah it's got to keep the dopamine levels up. Exactly. It's, yeah, I got to keep the dopamine healthy. And I actually, this is, this is dopamine on my wrist. I have it tattooed right there. Oh, uh, yeah. There's dopamine. Yeah. Oh, yep. And then cool. this is serotonin. Nice. Oh, we didn't even talk about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Next time, for my sure. My next one is oxytocin. Oh, there oh. you go. <laughs> so yeah. a tip for the, listen- back, yeah. the The tip for anybody listening is mm-hmm. to remember that it is called an inbox for a reason. Mm. If it was meant to be emptied every single night, it would be called an empty box. Oh, it's not. Interesting. Because shit's still Ooh, in I like that, Adage. I like that. Mm-hmm. Good yep. stuff there, Mark. All right, well- Tessa, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. Really, really appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Hope you feel better. better. Oh, yeah, I feel fine now. I was just like, I have a mild version of this flu. My poor boyfriend was dying. All right. All right. Adding value and making friends. That's what we do. If anyone would like to be a guest on a future show, shoot us an email at info at the Glorious Suns. Panic attack available everywhere. Until next time, everyone. Whatever you do, be an excellent one. I love that. Yeah. Stay yep. safe and healthy. And most importantly, stay classy, geoholics. <laughs>